Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. All right. Am I on? Well, as long as we're telling stories, I, uh, I just want to honor Whitney uh, Jameson in this room. She's an incredible woman of faith. Um, on their first date in the middle of COVID, uh, Nate was uh, unemployed. He had to take my car to the date. He had just torn his ACL, so he was in a boot hobbling up, and he wore a full-blown gas mask as a joke to the date. So I said that at, the, at their wedding as I gave the speech. And I said, Whitney, you're an incredible woman of faith. So then Nate gets up and he speaks and he's just, he's, he goes, I would just like to say, I have a great job now. Got myself a nice car. My ACL is healed. And she thought that the ass mass was funny. Amen. Well, friends, uh, I'm, I'm so excited and honored to be with you today uh, as a soldier, as an Iraq veteran. Uh, these are messages that I, I live to give and, and to honor uh, our veterans and our heroes. You know, the veteran is really a symbol of sacrifice. Uh, the veteran is a symbol of teamwork and laying down your life for something bigger than yourself. Um, so I want to take a moment here, and if, if you served in our United States Army, would you please stand so we can honor you? Yay, all right. And then please, uh, please stay standing. If you were in the Navy, would you please stand? Awesome. And if you were in the Air Force, would you please stand? Yes, ma'am. Awesome. And lastly, you know, you got you to gotta include them, the Marines. You got any Marines in here? Oh, yeah. All right. Awesome. The Space Force. I, I, I don't know. Hey, any Coast Guard? Coast Guard? No Coast Guard. There never is. I'm, I'm, yay for the Coast Guard. Would all the veterans please stand up? I just want to pray a blessing over each one of you. Father, thank you for these men and women that have served our country. God, I pray that you would bless them, heart, mind, soul, and body. God, thank you for everything they've done for this nation. And Father, I pray that today... Um, anything that just needs to be healed in a deeper way for everything that they've been through in their service, God, your anointing would be here to do so. Uh, bless and keep them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I um, am a guest speaker, so I obligatorily have to show you a picture of my family. Those are the rules. Uh, so this is my family. This is my stunning wife, Rachel. Uh, I call her my better 90. So if you say better half, husbands, you got to up your game, okay? That's for free. You can have that one. Uh, this is my son, Benaya Joshua, and um, I uh, am so blessed by these two. You can tell we're a Christian family by our names, you know? And uh, this was a fun photo shoot because literally after we took this photo, we're talking about our next shoot, and Benaya is kind of on the slope, you know? And the sand under him starts kind of sinking, and he goes face forward. And we look over, and he's going face into the sand. And we look over, face into the sand, and photo shoot over. So that was fun. Um, 
I'm here to talk to you today about uh, veterans, military soldiers, but also uh, our vision for the ministry that I run, Engage Your Destiny, is a world without military suicide. And we have an epidemic right now of 44 veterans and active duty military who are taking their lives every single day. Uh, per the Pentagon, suicides are up in our active duty military by 25%. And um, really, the military is run out of options of what to do. But there has been some incredible science that has come out of Columbia and Harvard University, of all places, where they have found that active duty military or veterans who have uh, active spiritual faith life, which means they attend spiritual gatherings, they uh, engage in spiritual material on a regular basis, are seven times, say seven times, times. are seven times less likely to commit suicide. So we are eliminating suicide in the military by advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. He will always be the answer to every problem that this world will ever have. Amen. Amen. So what we do uh, is we train soldiers in emotional intelligence. Right now, uh, your average 18-year-old, because of cell phones and technology, it has slowed their emotional development by three to four years. So the emotional capacity of an 18-year-old is that of about a 13 or 14-year-old. I see some children in here. For the love of God, be parents and manage their phones. Okay? It falls on you. We want to blame this generation for all their problems. Who raised them? Okay? So let's take ownership. That was not included in my message. Just had to say it. So um, we train young soldiers in emotional intelligence to help them learn how to navigate their emotions in a healthy way. And then we invite them to stick around and to hear about our faith. Um, and this is where we share the gospel. So this year, we've trained 1,859 soldiers in emotional intelligence. 1,219 have stayed and heard the gospel. And 625 of those, which is 55.2%, have made a next step decision to follow Jesus. So this is where we lead them into small groups, into Bible studies, and into uh, uh, discipleship training. Uh, and this is so important because 4%, say 4%, 4% of Gen Z, ages 18 to 25, have a biblical worldview. 4%. And right now, of our 1.4 million uh, active duty military, 300,000 are Gen Z. That means 4% of those 300,000 believe what you believe. Yikes. The need is dire. And so I want to show you guys just a short video, 60 seconds, shot on our iPhones, using, using those kingdom dollars well, uh, of soldiers who are being discipled, who had no faith, uh, and now are being actively discipled in the teachings of Jesus. I've been coming to engage ever since I got to Fort Campbell. Real welcoming experience. You learn a lot about the word. You learn a lot about people, their testimonies, their stories. It's like a family. I'm loving it. I'm learning about the word of God. It's been awesome. It's a great place to be with your family. It's been a very good community for myself, personally, especially when he's not around. I felt like I was going to lose my faith, but as I got here, my faith has gotten so much stronger. I got to connect with other military personnel. And it's making me want to come back weekly to get closer to God. A year ago, I lost my faith with God, and I finally back on the right track and on the right road with God. I loved it. We had a family style tonight, got some small groups going. I love the discussion. I love the, the preaching of the word here. I just realized that all these battles that I'm fighting by myself, like, I can't do it alone. Amen. 
I also want to discourage uh, some propaganda in our world right now. That, that last young man can run a two mile in 10 and a half minutes. Two miles in 10 and a half minutes. Your active duty grunts who are going to go in and kill bad guys are very strong. They are well-trained. And, and I have been so inspired working with them. The stuff that you see on the news is not all true. Our military is still strong. Amen? Celebrate that today. Bring a little hope in the midst of all the doom and gloom. I live, breathe, sweat, and bleed for soldiers because I am one. And that's why, Coastal Church, this morning, I'm gonna train you today to become a soldier for Christ. Our opening scripture is from Isaiah 61, verse one. And to set the tone for the scripture, we know that when we build the foundation of a building, how important is that for how high that building's gonna go? So Jesus is starting his ministry. I know we've got some biblical scholars in here. Please keep me in check. I submit to your leadership. <laughs> Jesus is starting his ministry and he's in a synagogue and he chooses this verse to start his ministry. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor, to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives, say captives. Say captives. captives. To proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Jesus is saying, for the next three years, my mission on earth is to set captives free. That is my mission and that is what I'm going to teach people how to do. That is the core of who he was and what he did. In warfare, there is nothing more horrific or terrifying, any veteran here will tell you, than being taken captive by the enemy. When Hitler began invading countries for the purpose of world domination, it emboldened other countries to begin to do the same. On December 7th, 1941, a day that will live in infamy, Pearl Harbor was attacked by Japan. The move to attack Pearl Harbor was a power move by Japan to take more ground and not to get into a full-scale war with the U.S., but they had no idea the giant that they had woken. After this, they attacked the Philippines. The main attack was on the island of Corregidor, which was a two-day shock and awe battle. After the battle was over, 75,000 Americans and Filipinos were taken captive as they surrendered. And none of them could have possibly imagined the horror that awaited them. You see, the Japanese needed to get these soldiers to the other side of the island because they wanted to put them on the ships and take them back to Japan to work in prisoner of war camps. But they had to get them across the jungle, which was a 65 mile journey. And so they decided to take these men and line them up for a 14 day crucible that, her, that history would always remember as the Bataan Death March. For 14 days, they marched day and night. No food, no water, and no rest. If you stopped to rest, you would be shot. If you tried to drink water from a nearby stream, you would be bayoneted. If you couldn't go on, you would be killed or left for dead. On and on they marched, 65 miles without stopping. Some of them went mad with thirst, running to local streams just for a drink of water only to be killed by the Japanese. So many soldiers had to resort to drinking water out of muddy boot prints in the ground just to get something to drink or to try and sneak water out of a nearby stream without the Japanese seeing. 
After 14 grueling days of torture, 17,000 prisoners, captives, Americans, were dead. They were then loaded into the hull of what were known as hell ships. These were large transport ships which offered no reprieve from the march the battle and beleaguered soldiers had just survived. They all loaded in one by one for a journey that would last for many weeks and these cramly tied compartments offered little reprieve from everything they've gone through because of the little amount of air, ventilation, food, or water. Many died to asphyxia, starvation, and dysentery. Upon reaching the island of Japan, they were shipped to prisoner of war camps where they worked 16 hours a day, 365 days a year for four years. When they were discovered, most of them weighed about 85 pounds. The story's very personal to me because my dad spent his life apart from his day to nine to five job, helping veterans tell their stories so that they could find peace and freedom by having a voice from what they'd gone through. And my dad found this one baton death march survivor and for two years, two years, he met with him weekly, sometimes multiple times a week as Alf Larson, this incredible hero, worked through his story with my dad, which was then published into a book. Alf said, that the greatest day of his life was not when his kids were born, not when he got married or built his business, but it was the day that an American soldier showed up at his prisoner of war camp and said, brother, we're going home. This is a picture of our world today. What these men went through, what I'm describing, is what the world is going through. They're starving. They have no water of life. They are running themselves dead. Inside, they weigh 80 pounds. This is the world. These are the captives of our world. And what we have to get into our souls today is that an American soldier showed up to set those captives free, and it is only a soldier that can set a captive free. And scripture makes it clear. You see, we have to realize today, Coastal Church, that we are not in a physical war. What we see in Israel what we see in Ukraine, what we see in the world around us with this generation, with fentanyl, with all these issues going on, it's a spiritual war. It's not, with what we can see. it's not with our eyes and what we can see. And that's where we have to look to the word of God to guide us. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Now, my beloved ones, I've saved these most important truths for last. Do you think this is important? Be supernaturally infused with the strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious. Say victorious. victorious. There we go. With the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you, put on the complete set of God's armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Listen to me now. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. We have to take the eyes of our understanding off what we can see and get God's perspective. So the question is, how do we wage war to set captives free in this world? And I believe we can do it in four ways. First is we have to believe that we are a soldier. Even a Marine can do this. <laughs> the, 
The Bible says soldier, bro. It says soldier. On July 4th, 1976, a flight was taking off from Tel Aviv to Paris. It held over 200 Israelis and Jews, and it was taken hostage by Palestinian terrorists. They took that plane hostage, and they flew it to Entebbe, Africa, Entebbe, Uganda, in Africa, under the cover of the dictator Idi Amin. The purpose of doing that and taking those captives, taking those people hostage, was the Israeli government had Palestinian terrorists that they had, and they said, we're taking your people, and we're going to execute them unless you set these terrorists free. And Israel took a look at that and said, I don't think so. And in seven days, they trained up 100 warriors and commandos, soldiers. They sent them in. They took those terrorists down, and they set their people free. Yes. Amen. Yes. On December 4th, 1979, just three years later, the Iran hostage crisis took place, which was a diplomatic standoff between the United States and Iran. 52 American diplomats and citizens were held hostage after a group of militarized Iranian college students took over the U.S. Embassy in Tehran for similar purposes like what happened, with the, what happened in Entebbe, and they took them captive. For 444 days, those people were held captive in bondage. Politics didn't work. Negotiations didn't work. Money didn't work. They were held hostage because we didn't send in soldiers to set those captives free. Because what we have to understand today is that you cannot negotiate with evil. It cannot be negotiated with, bargained with in any shape or form. It has to be taken by force and by the force of faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am not calling us to be to take up M16s and go fight. Let me just be clear. Although maybe someday we might need to. But anyway. Sorry, Pastor. Need I digress? I'm calling us to the spiritual war because when we believe, the impossible becomes possible. And anything not done in faith is sin. Anything not done in faith is sin. I'm not talking about porn. I'm not talking about lying. I'm not talking about idolatry. I'm not talking about the love of money. I'm not talking about greed. I'm not talking about the transgressions that we do. I'm talking about the things we don't do. Anything we don't do in faith, actively in faith, Jesus says is sin. And this has to sharpen us, church, to believe in who we are so that we act in faith. Welcome to church. Number two, we have to train as a soldier. How many of you would go into combat knowing you're going to get shot at without a gun? Anyone? That's a negative. How many of you would go in without a helmet to protect your head? How many of you would go in without body armor? Many of our Vietnam vets did. Not anymore. My man right here. Would you take body armor today? Probably, yeah. How many of you would go in your stocking feet without combat boots? Y'all tracking? This is where scripture makes it so clear for the spiritual war that we are in, Ephesians 6.13. Because of this, you must wear all the armor of God. Say all. all. What does all mean? All. all. Even looked it up in the Greek. 
You must wear all the armor of God that provides so you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined, say destined. You are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Say victorious. So put on truth as a belt to strengthen you as you stand in triumph. Put on holiness as a protective armor that covers your heart. Stand to your feet, alert, and you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows of the wicked one, evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies and take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the word of God. Let me tell you about some of this armor. The belt of truth. In the Roman days, the belt held their armor together. Without it, it would fall apart. They also did not have pants like we have. If they didn't wear that belt, everything would fall down. Also, the belt had protective armor on it to protect the family jewels. Can I get an amen from the men? So when Paul's talking about the importance of the belt of truth, that's coming from a man, amen? Point made. The breastplate of righteousness. This is righteousness, holiness that covers our heart. The Bible says that out of your heart flows the wellspring of life and above all else, guard it. So what is he saying to us? That the righteousness that Christ paid for on the cross, a one-time gift that is forever being made righteous through him is what protects us. But we are also called at the same time to live righteously because we can be saved, redeemed, going to heaven, but we can also live unrighteously, which takes the armor off for the enemy to destroy us and to destroy our hearts. And so that's why we have to live with a daily conviction to live free from sin. The church right now, the world in America is steeped in sin. And we have to call us into righteousness, into repentance, into daily consecration of dying to ourselves and laying down the pet sins that we've walked in for years. It's a message we have to hear again and again. Me too. Amen? We need the combat boots of peace, knowing that the power of the gospel brings peace to the soul of a man. Nothing can bring peace like the, from the guilt and the shame and the condemnation like Jesus. The shield of faith. Let me tell you about this shield, man. It's my favorite one. The shield was a weapon of advancement. We think of shields as how we can protect ourselves. No, no, no. You would lock arms with the soldiers next to you and you would use those shields to advance on the enemy. Faith is an advancing weapon. And that's why we have to lock arms. If you're in isolation right now, there's no reason you're struggling so much or in sin. You have to get around brothers, women, people around you so that you can walk together, lock shields with them and advance in faith. Amen? We also, at the same time, let me tell you about these arrows. Any deer hunters in here? Got one? Wow, I'm not in Minnesota, am I? Tough one. Let me tell you about arrows. Clean arrows gonna shoot great, straight. You wrap it up in a bunch of stuff and light it on fire, it's not very accurate. You don't shoot a flaming arrow to pierce someone. You shoot an arrow to send fire to burn things down. The lies of the enemy that attack your faith are trying to burn down your life. And that's where we have to live in faith with the shield to protect us from the enemy's lies. We need the helmet of salvation. Salvation means wholeness. The Bible says that we literally have the mind of Christ in the mental health epidemic that we are in. We need to believe and receive that we have the mind of Christ. And if there's mental health issues, the mind of Christ puts us in a place to actually get the help that we need to be restored. But we live from the place. I've had to go through counseling. I've had seasons where I've needed to use medication to work through my depression, my issues. 
but I've continued to proclaim that I have the mind of Christ and God has used counselors and things to help me become more whole. But we stand from the place of victory that we have the mind of Christ. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. Bonhoeffer said, the Lord gets the first word of the day and the last word. If every one of you spent time in the word every morning and every night before you go to bed, you could walk out great, great things. Number three, we have to fight as a soldier. Say fight. <coughs> the language of Paul to Timothy is very specific. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about to which you were made good, the confessions in the presence of many witnesses. You see, y'all, fighting works in two ways. In 1776, when our soldiers were fighting for freedom against British oppression, they went, they signed up, and they fought for freedom. By fighting for freedom for their nation, the people got free, and they got free as well. And that is where, if we want freedom, both in our lives and the lives of those around us, we have to get on the battlefield. And if we're living for ourselves, if we're living for our own pleasure, if we're living for our own needs, ideals, but we're not advancing to fight for others, we're not gonna have the highest level of freedom. And that's where God is calling us to get onto the battlefield. Paul is writing these words to Timothy who never served. He was never a soldier. But he's saying, fight the good fight of faith as a soldier in the military. Timothy lived out as a sold-out soldier in God's army because in 97 AD, the 80-year-old evangelist, 80 years old, tried to halt a procession in the honor of the goddess Diana by preaching the gospel. The angry pagans beat him, dragged him out on the streets, and stoned him to death. That doesn't sound like the um, American dream. But do you think he's living for eternity or the American dream? He was living for eternity, and he did it at 80 years old. My Nana was 101, 101 years old on the day that she died. On the day that she died, she was up that morning training salespeople for the company she'd been with for 70 years. Active in her faith, active in Bible studies, actively making disciples. Friends, you are never done until God calls you home. We have to know our enemy. When I was in Iraq, we would have pre-combat briefs before we went out into the field. Any veterans relate to this? Before you go out into places that you're gonna get shot at, there's pre-combat briefs telling you about the tactics and what the enemy is doing, what his choke points are, what, what intelligence is telling us about him so that we can learn more about our enemy so that we can effectively kill him. What's fascinating about the world that we're in today is that the enemy is the father of all lies. He's a liar. And being the father of all lies, we need to understand what his lies are. The basis of every one of the enemy's lies that he's trying to trip you up to in come down to two points. I am not good enough, and I am not lovable. I am not good enough, and I am not lovable. And shame is saying that you as a person are bad, are wrong, are not enough. Guilt is saying I've done something wrong. You fall into sin, I've done something wrong. But when we take on the identity of being something wrong, that is shame. And that is the enemy's tactic of saying that you are not good enough and that you are not lovable. And we can use shame as a vehicle to try and get into areas to become more successful and we can use it as a motivation to overcome from our past. But it's only gonna leave us feeling more empty. It's only gonna leave us feeling like nothing is ever enough because we are enough in Christ. Yes. Speaking from experience. 
Number four, we have to suffer like a soldier. Americans love to suffer. <laughs> love that discomfort. Paul said, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Are you guys seeing this? This is the word of God. Enlisted in service to please him as a soldier for Christ. Now, some of you are saying, Ben, I never served in the military. I never went to a combat zone. I hear what you're saying, but you know, I can't really relate to this. And I'm here to tell you guys, yes, I've been to combat zones. I've been through extreme suffering. I've been in the military, been through training, but I've been through something way tougher. I have a toddler. That kid is all boy and he is a bobcat. And sometimes I'm looking at him and I'm like, I do not know what to do with you. So hear me when I say this, the circumstances of your life are enough to train you to become a soldier for Christ and to push you, amen? Amen. We're working on it. Active participation. I'm done it too, though. I can't handle anymore. It's, oh my gosh. Take me home, Lord. It's suffering, yes. As a social experiment by the Germans, 5,000 Czechoslovakian Jews, when they arrived at Auschwitz, were put in a special compound. They were given nice clothes, clean food, good food, clean living conditions, but they were still held as prisoners. They would see every day thousands of Jews come on rail cars only to get let off to the gas chambers and never to be seen again. They could see Nazis with guns guarding them. They could see other prisoners as skinny as skeletons from starvation. They could see all of it. It got to the point where other prisoners were coming up to the fence and they're saying, don't you see what's happening? They're going to kill you. We don't know when or how, but they're going to kill you. And they looked at that as they were saying, you need to fight. You need to try to escape. You're stronger than any one of us. You have food, you're nourished. There's more of you than them. Fight back. But denial was easier than accepting fate or fighting for another outcome. One day, they were led to the gas chambers and they went willingly. They had spent five months smelling the smoke of burned Jews, seeing the ash of their beloved people disappear. But how could these kind SS men, how could they do that to them? How could these people who know their names, surely there's a special purpose, so there's another reason. It was only when they got into the gas chambers, they realized what was going to happen, that then they fought back, but it was too late. They were gunned down, the doors were sealed, and they were gassed. You see, they just wanted to live their life as best they could. And denial was more comfortable than the reality. Nine million Jews walked the earth in 1933, and six million Jews were murdered in the Holocaust. Two of every three Jews were wiped out, and the only thing that stopped an entire generation of God's people being murdered was soldiers. Soldiers fought the axis of evil. 
because it takes a soldier to set a captive free. So the question today, Coastal Church, is are you going to live your life and the rest of your days as a Czechoslovakian Jew in denial of the death and destruction happening in the hearts and souls of people all around you? Or are you going to live as a soldier for Christ, filled with his anointing and his power and his will to fight for those that are dying around you? Jesus started his ministry with Isaiah 61, and he called himself in that moment to set captives free because the Bible says that it is no longer I who live. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In this life, I live in the flesh. I live through faith in the Son of God who died and gave his life for me. We have to wake up, church. It's no longer I who live. It's no longer me that's alive. And there is a warrior, a soldier, a fighter living inside of every single one of you if you call yourself a Christian. If you call yourself a Christian, there's a warrior in you that wants to get let out, to be set free, to set captives free because the world is dying. I'm seeing it every single week. The level of sexual abuse, molestation, the level of fatherlessness in this generation. This is the most fatherless generation in the history of the world the levels of depression, the levels of anxiety, the fentanyl crisis in our country, what's happening in our world is just happening right in front of us. And we're sitting on the sidelines watching Fox News and complaining about it. Church, we've got to wake up. And I'm a guest speaker, so I can offend you all I want. The word says the Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. And he stirs up his zeal, he cries out, he shouts aloud, and he shows himself mighty against his foes. We are in a war. Heaven is the good, hell is the evil, earth is the battlefield, and the battle is for the souls of men. I believe there's three kinds of people in this room. The first is, you're here and you're comfortable and you're living for you. And this message is convicting you. Good. It's a good start. The second is, you're sold out for Christ. You're living beyond yourself. You're giving yourself for other people. You see, the person who's living for Christ checks in with the Lord, seeks him in the morning and goes through the day working, laboring to enter into his rest of how you can be used to touch the world. Because everything that you have on this earth cannot be taken with you. The only thing you will have is the relationships that you built and the people that you won to him. Those are the only things that matter for all of eternity. And so where does the rubber meet the road on this? It's standing in the grocery aisle. It's standing in the grocery aisle and saying, Jesus, I'm available. Use me. And you get to that cashier and you just look at them and say, hey, I just want you to know, I'm gonna pray for you when I go to my car. Can an introvert in here do that? Yes, you can. You do not have to be a salesman, type A personality, 
evangelist person to tell someone, hey, I just want you to know you're on my heart today and I'm gonna pray for you. My goodness, how weak have we gotten in our Christianity where we can't even do that? Myself included. I get so bogged down in running my ministry and doing all the work and managing the people and loving my wife and my kid and all that kind of stuff that I'm standing there and I just wanna look at my phone. It's so easy. So as I say this message to you, I'm saying me too. But this is something we have to be refined in every single day because it's what's going to matter for eternity. The third person here is you're here and you're barely hanging on. And you're saying, Ben, I'm hearing everything that you're saying, but man, I'm just trying to get through today. A month ago, I was at the doctor because I had come down with shingles. And I'm sitting there as the doctor is telling me that I have shingles. And I, I looked at her and I said, isn't that something that older people get? <laughs> Not trying to offend. You've seen the commercials. It's communicated. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 36. How is this possible? And she looked at me and she said, well, younger people get it when they're under extreme stress. Wow. To give you a picture, my wife and I met um, three and a half years ago and three years and two months ago we were married. Short engagement. We got married very quickly after, I'm sorry, we got uh, pregnant very quickly after that, didn't plan that one. And the lease on our condo was ending. We were in Arizona at the time um, and we felt God calling us to Tennessee. So I packed up all of our stuff in storage, took my pregnant wife and our new puppy, because we're gluttons for punishment. <laughs> she wants a puppy, get her a puppy. <clears throat> and we moved to Tennessee. At the time, my organization was hosting the largest Jesus-centered outreach to veterans, to heal Vietnam veterans in the history of this country. And... <laughs> We executed that event, and when we finished, God really spoke to me, the season of this event is over, and I'm calling you into a new season. And so now I find myself in a new direction, rebuilding my organization, completely starting over, a new dad, a new husband in a new town with no support, no family, and no energy to build a community. And after doing that event, I was burned out our son had to have three different tongue-tie procedures because he hadn't slept through the night in 18 months. Couldn't get enough oxygen when he was breathing and when he was sleeping. Always at night. And then the ministry started growing. I'm speaking 10 times a week. And I'll tell you all, speaking to soldiers in this day and age is like raising the dead. This is a party compared to that. I have never reached the end of myself more than these last couple of years. And so when the doctor asked if I was stressed out, I said, yeah, I'm stressed. And that's where I'm here to say to you today that I need this message every day as much as you do. I am not bulletproof and I'm not Superman. And I'm not calling you to be either. My mission today was to bring to you a conviction for the world and to encourage you that you have more power in you than you can possibly imagine because of Jesus and everything that he died for 
And when he said it was finished, it was finished. Will you stand to your feet? About three months ago, I was reading in the Word, and there was a scripture that said, you will surround him with favor as like a shield. And I read that, and it hit my heart, and I texted my wife, and I said, babe, I think this is like, this is a powerful verse. We got to grab a hold of this. And she said, I think we need to send it out to our soldiers. And we, we communicate with our soldiers. They're all over the world. And we texted it out to them. And the next message we got, a, next morning we got a, a text message back. And it was from a young guy that we had led to Christ back in February. And three days after we led him to Christ, he was on a plane to Syria. He couldn't get away for 20 minutes for us to baptize him. And he texts in and he says, I don't know how to tell you this, but I was the last man out of a room that we were clearing in a building. And I got blown up. An IED went off, and I got blown across the street. And when I came to, I heard the audible voice of God say to me, son, I'm not done with you yet. He said, I have no injuries, no concussion. That shield thing worked. I want to encourage you today because Satan is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We need testimonies of miracles because God is alive and he is working today. And I've been in seasons in this last three years where I have felt God be silent, where I've been crying out to him in anger, saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. You've got to take this from me. And I heard nothing where I've yelled at him that I can't, I, can't take, I can't deal with this toddler anymore. I can't keep fighting with my wife like this. I can't keep this up. And I've gotten nothing but silence. And in those moments of crushing and breaking, this man has been dying because God wants me to be dead and alive in him. And he wants you to be dead and alive in him, yeah. dead to yourself, dead to your wants, your needs, your desires, so then you can be a soldier and you are ready for service. And so I wanna have a moment of prayer. If you guys could close your eyes. In this moment, I just believe the Holy Spirit is working and he is moving. And I always give an opportunity. Is there anyone in this room where you know you need to make a decision to give your life to Christ? You know that you need to turn from the way that you've been living and you need a fresh start and you're ready to give your life to follow Jesus because you feel called and you want a mission and you want to live with destiny for God and he's putting it on your heart. He's knocking on your heart and saying, let me in. If that's you, put your hand up. Yeah. Amen. 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 I see you, bro. Amen. Now, if you're here and you're ready to say, I'm done living for me and I wanna be enlisted in the Lord's service and I am, wanna call on God right now, 
and say, God, give me a mission. I want to be used for your kingdom. I'm done serving myself. I want to serve something bigger than me. I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Hands all over the room. Father, I pray, keep your hands up. In the name of Jesus, you see this, Lord. You are standing and you are seeing your servants that want to be enlisted into service for you. And in the name of Jesus, God, I prophesy visions, dreams, ideas to come into the hearts of men and women today. And that, Father, Coastal Church would be a beacon of light to this region that this beachhead has already been taken and now it's expanding. This beachhead is expanding into new ter territories and into new ideas. And I pray, Lord, for a discipleship-making movement to come out of this church where people right now are receiving from you, God, their mission. And that, Pastor Rod, you would be overwhelmed by people coming to you and saying, God is showing me what I need to do. God is showing me what I need to do. And so there's two parts where this is working. God is speaking to you, and he is going to deliver a message to you of what he's calling you to do. And as a soldier, you need to go to the officer who is leading you of your pastors, Val and Rod, and you need to say, God is showing me something. And I'm prophesying in the name of Jesus a flood of meetings with these two of what God is putting on your heart to do and the mission that he's putting you on. And that this would be a mission-making, discipleship-moving church in the name of Jesus. Father, I prophesy specific missions. I believe that there's work in here for the homeless. God has put it on your heart for homeless people to go and love them and serve them. And maybe it doesn't look like starting an organization, but you're gonna say, you know what? Me and my family, once a month, once every two weeks, we're gonna go and we're going to feed and love on homeless people. God's speaking that to you and God is confirming and right now, you need to go and do that. Some of you, the veterans in here, God is speaking to you that you need to open your mouth and engage with the veterans around you and pray for them. And maybe it's just that act of faith where you're just saying, hey, you've been on my heart all week. Can I pray for you and pray for God to bless them? Some of the veterans in here, people in here, you need to go into the VFWs. You need to go into these locations where these guys are drowning themselves in toxins and just say, brother, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and go and love on those people in dark places. Instead of sitting and watching football, you're going to go, and I love football, so don't mix my words. Instead of sitting and watching a whole day of football on Saturday, 12 hours of just watching games, you're going to take one hour, and you're going to go love someone and get out of your comfort zone. I believe that the Lord is giving specific nonprofit ideas. I see blankets, something that has to do with sewing or knitting or putting things together, assembling through some type of arts and craft that God has given you specific ideas of how you can use your arts and crafts. I see your hands moving and, and shaping and fixing things and putting things together that creates art and beauty. God is calling you to step into this and to do it with your family or with your daughters. God is putting it on your heart to do this with something bigger than yourself and to begin to launch this. And he's saying, just start creating it and I'll create the need. Just start creating it and I will create the need. I also see something with wood. There's someone in here you feel and, and you love woodworking and working with different pieces and fashioning things. I'm prophesying over to you today that God is gonna bring you people to work on these wood pieces with to create things and he's gonna give you dreams in your dreams and in your thoughts, designs to create things and he's gonna show you what to do with them. Here's the word today, Coastal Church. Start creating, let God create the need. That's the word of the Lord today. Start creating and let him create the need. Don't get stuck in the need of the people. Don't get stuck in, well, how this is gonna work. Don't get stuck in, well, how are all these pieces gonna come together? Start creating. 
Just start doing it. Start creating the things that God has put in your heart and he's going to take it and he's going to open up the need because you planting that seed of faith, you acting in faith and saying, Father, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to start creating. He is going to take that seed of faith and open up a need for it. And I prophesy that into hearts right in this room. Jesus, is there anything else you have for your people today? If you have pain in your back, can you raise your hand? Okay, can you raise them high? Church, can you please open your eyes, turn around. If you see hands up, can you lay hands and let's equip the church? I saw it and I couldn't get it out of my mind. So guys, real quick, I just want to tell a testimony. We had a gal who's the wife of a, of a combat veteran in our, in our ministry. She had debilitating back pain for like three years. And we prayed for this and she wasn't even going to come that night and she got completely healed. Com Angela has been completely healed, back pain completely gone. This happened about a month ago. And so right now, saints, this is a well-discipled church. Start praying. You don't need my words. The gifts are active here. Start praying. And let's just pray for a good couple minutes for these backs. Let's, let's intercede for these backs, and then we're going to test it. And then we're going to test it. All right, so if you put your hand up for healing, I just want you to just kind of bend over a little bit as you're able and just kind of test out some of that pain. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare healing as your, as your sons and daughters move. Father, we just declare healing as your sons and daughters move right now. Begin to just test it out. I can't remember where I was reading it, but there's a spot in Scripture where they had to go three times before the Lord to ask. And so, Lord, we just ask again in Jesus' name. Guys, if you're around, just pray for him again. Father, in the name of Jesus, put your hands on him. In the name of Jesus, heal. Heal these backs in Jesus' name. Heal these backs in Jesus' name. Heal these backs in Jesus' name. Total healing in the name of Jesus. Total healing in the name of Jesus. All right, y'all, test it out again. Move around a little bit. Test it out, Father. We just pray as this movement is happening and we're acting in faith, God, that you would just bring this healing. In Jesus' name. Sometimes I don't want to ask. I just want to let it happen. But genuinely, has anybody felt relief from pain? Definitely? Praise God. Feeling anything? A little bit. One last time. Jesus, in the power of your name, I'm coming one more time, God. I'm a bulldog. God, there's no sin here. There's pain. 
Relieve it in Jesus' name. We trust you and we love you. Finish it, God. Relieve this pain in Jesus' name. Amen. Something else that came to my heart, I'm not afraid to be wrong. Is there anyone dealing with some type of bacteria? Um, it's something that's gotten into your, your blood or your organs. It's causing some type of debilitating bacteria issue in your body. Yeah? Okay. Parasites, something like that. Anybody else? Okay. Can we put our hands on these two, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare complete regeneration against any type of disease for bacteria. Um, anything that's gotten into the skin or into the organs or is causing any type of um, just chronic itching or irritation or redness or swelling in the name of Jesus, we declare right now, Father, that it is healed and that, Lord, the power of your Holy Spirit is here to, to relieve all that discomfort in Jesus' name and, and that, Lord, whatever parasite, whatever just, you know, debilitating uh, just virus or just, you know, something that's going to just eat away at things, Father, I pray that it would be just dismantled and brought down in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just loose heaven over these bodies in Jesus' name in complete healing and restoration in the name of Jesus. One last thing before I close. Um, this was on my heart. Val came up to me earlier and said, hey, at the end, you've got a little more breathing room, which obviously I took. <laughs> Um, I just want to speak to marriages in here. Gary Thomas, in his book, Sacred Marriage, says, if your spouse is driving you crazy, get on your knees and thank God for him giving you someone that's going to draw you closer to him. So, let the saints interpret. So now... Now hear me on this. Hear me on this. Let's, let's really think about this. If that is the case and the situation is not getting better, who needs to change? And if that is the case and things aren't getting better, one of you does not want to get closer to Jesus. Been there. The only person that you can change in your marriage is you. Abraham Lincoln, many people don't know this, but his wife um, was, a, was, was a crazy woman. She was crazy. Like, not like, dude, she's crazy. Like, no, she was crazy. <laughs> she would set things on fire in the White House. She would go out and spend all of their money. She was narcissistic. She was a liar. She would physically hit him, beat him. The woman was insane. Abraham Lincoln stood by her till their death. And some people have said in history that he became the man that he was because of what he had to endure at home. And so I want to encourage you today, as my marriage has been on the highest of highs and some of the lowest of lows, where we've looked at each other and said, I don't know if we're going to make it. No matter where you're at today, okay, God's doing something in you. And I prophesy in the name of Jesus and speak encouragement to you for your marriage that you can become more like Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that whatever part of your flesh that doesn't want to die would be laid down so that you can love your spouse the way Christ loves the church. In Jesus' name. Father, we lift up marriages in this room. We tear down every stronghold of the enemy that has been built up 
through lies or guilt or shame. I just feel in my heart that there's some of you where your spouse has done something that has wounded you so badly. And what the Lord is saying to you is me too. He's saying, they have wounded me too. They've broken my heart. They've turned against me. But I love them with an unconditional love that only I have. And that unconditional love that I have for them, I'm putting into you. Can you feel it? It's being released right now. I can feel it. It's being released into you right now to love them and to find forgiveness because Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And you know, because of their past, you know, because of what they've gone through, their abuse, the issues they've had in their life, you know, they truly don't know what they're doing and they're hurting and there's an area that they're lost. And God is breathing and releasing an unconditional grace into you to forgive them so that you can be whole. And Father, I pray for, um, again, these strongholds that have been built against marriages in this room. And Father, that you would have breakthrough, even for conversations today. I want to challenge, if God is speaking to your marriage today, you need to find time today to get away from your kids and talk to each other about this. Have the hard conversations. Confess to the pornography. Confess to the anger. Confess, ask for forgiveness for the words that you've said for the moments that you've hurt them. Let today be a day of reconciliation. And for each of you, as you go into those conversations to come, knowing your sin and knowing how broken you are too. And to look at this person, releasing your expectation on them to be perfect. And to look at them and say, you know what? Me too. I'm also a mess. Apart one degree short of Christ is a disaster. And we all are. So coming into that moment, and say, you know what? I'm just as broken as you are. And I'm gonna love you with the unconditional love that Christ has loved me with. And I pray for that reconciliation, for that life, for that love to happen today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Will you may take a seat for a moment.